0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of We Know We Ho. It's January 27th. I am Tracy Paso, your host, and I'm here with my co-host Maxine. Well, we really want to start the the episode today, as we were wrapping last week. The announcement, unfortunately, of the Standard Hotel came out, um, so we're we're not really behind. We just kind of um, didn't get it into our episode last week. But I really did want to start the episode this week with just an ode to the Standard Hotel. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners know by now uh, that the Standard Hotel, after 22 years of business on the Sunset Strip, uh, is uh, permanent, cl- permanently closing its doors. I'm so sad to hear that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really unfortunate, and you know, it's really hard to know if it's a COVID thing or you know if it was something um, with the lease. I'm sure it's a combination of the two. It's really sad to see um, the Standard go. We wish uh, the team and everybody there well, Carl, the GM. I did see a note that Giorgio's, they were going to continue that somewhere. That was, um, I didn't really stay at the Standard Hotel Maxine or like eat there a lot, but I did frequent Giorgio's and it was a really fun place to go um, to the kitchen and dance there. I've
1: never been to Giorgio's. I've only seen it when it wasn't open. But I've heard amazing things about it.
0: I still- oh, that's right. We had a tour. Carl-, mm-hmm. Carl gave us a tour of that space. I remember mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah. And
0: as you were saying, hmm, remember it's called hmm.
1: Remember that? And yeah. it was like
0: it was Giorgio's on Saturday night.
1: I think we were even looking at it as a spot to potentially hold my birthday, which is coming up around the corner. <laughs> I think, I yes, think that's it's why we looked it's true.
0: I think that's we, we did. We're yeah. like, oh, and DJs and past. I even had a yeah. menu at one point. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know who the uh, uh, producer is of Giorgio's, but I did say see that that person mentioned that Giorgio's was going to continue. So that's a good thing. So Maxine, you'll be able to experience. It'll be somewhere else and. Boy, if you don't know what Giorgio's is, make sure when it reopens somewhere, you get in there. Uh, it is kind of a speakeasy disco, uh, a, a fun place, and you generally bump elbows or butts or whatever, <laughs> at the disco music going late night with the likes of Madonna uh, and folks. So I'm um, happy to see that Giorgio's is there, but um, a sad, very sad farewell to this yeah, hotel. Definitely. Also, last week we're not behind the ball uh, obviously, on Friday, there was the announcement that outdoor dining uh, is opening up and salons and certain businesses at twenty five percent I've seen our Instagram just flooded Maxine. everybody in West Hollywood is opening. I know we have a little bit a lot of rain coming, uh, but I have seen everyone from you know state social to I mean, everyone in, actually, that's a note, Connie and Ted's is actually opening now. We mentioned last week that they were going to take a hiatus until the Super Bowl. That was before this announcement on Friday. They're back open um, up on, I believe, uh, on this Friday on the 29th. Um, so just that special note for Connie and Ted's.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my, <laughs> I think this is the third time now we've mentioned my birthday, but I think my reverse birthday present to everyone, a lot of people seem to be thinking of opening their doors on February 5th. Um, so some shout outs to Tess who we interviewed, Jordan Olivetta, we talked to Nick, um, and the den up on sunset mm. All planning for a February five open. Although, you know, some of the, some of the mandates that are coming down from County health, I think are still having some of our business trying to make sure that everything is compliant. So, um, you know, we're riding the wave.
0: All right. Well, I have to ask my friend, my dear friend, and my wife, my wifey. <laughs> <laughs> it's February 5th. is a Friday. It's your birthday. Mm. Should I be preparing to take you out or are you still going to stay at home and be a little conservative?
1: I think I'm going to be a little conservative, but, okay. you know, yeah, probably. All Although right. I wouldn't say no to some drive-by food, which you've been spoiling me with the whole regarding her situation – so maybe it's like some caviar and champagne. <laughs> just
0: kidding. Well, absolutely for sure. Or as Lauren would say, "Duh." <laughs> <laughs> on that, okay. Um, maybe some lobster mac and cheese. I don't know. We'll have to. Yeah. I know what I, I know what some of your favorites are. So you'll yeah. just have to wait and see what shows up on the fifth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that Let's just jump right into food and fashion. Um, <laughs> on that, probably it's, just, it's really just all about food this week. I don't know. We should probably just changed the whole podcast, Maxine, (laughs) to food. We know, Uh, we know
1: nom nom. That's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. We know nom nom. So I have been, um, I kind of have played Uber Eats driver this past weekend. (laughs) You
1: have, you've been such a (laughs) sport.
0: And we were just so inspired after last week's episode, talking to Lynn um, Ta about this regarding her event. And it was just so amazing. We just went overboard and we <laughs> filled out a profile. We have like too many places <laughs> to go to. And uh, I cheated on everybody. And I started on Thursday when the event started and I ran over to Thai town, a to Jit for a barbecue pork rice special. That looked I-
1: insane. Was it good? It's like $12. It was insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I could be, um, your Philip, one of your Filipino sisters, right? Filipino sisters. Um, cause you know how much I love white rice and any saucy juicy meat on top of it. Yes, it was delicious. I would be willing to have it again. So we should try and get that in before, uh, the 30th and it ends on January 30th. So there is still time okay. we will put a link in there yeah um saturday there was some rain on saturday uh i opted for a bed pit- picnic which mm-hmm. is my favorite thing to do <laughs> it rains belcampo added for the regarding her event this meatloaf sandwich from this woman molly Boz. and molly is a former bon appetit test kitchen editor and she now moved in la And she teamed up with the Belcampo and made this meatloaf sandwich. And admittedly, I didn't read what the description was. I just knew that I had to have this meatloaf sandwich. So, of course, I texted Lauren and Maxine and I said, I'm going to get a meatloaf sandwich. Who wants one from Belcampo? And like, it was like, me, me. And I already knew I was going to pick up three anyways. Right. So I dropped off. This is what happened. I I should share all of the the text threads. So I dropped off the sandwich to Lauren. I dropped off the sandwich to Maxine, and you guys were like blowing up my freaking phone. And (laughs) I had to get up the hill (laughs) and drive to my house, uh... and you guys are like already in it. I'm just seeing the messages flying about the slaw. Oh my goodness! I mean, can we just talk about that meatloaf sandwich for a second?
1: Well. Yes, it was delicious. And I guess that it's made of pork, right? And it was yep. uh, and it ta- basically it's like a big slab of Italian sausage that was seared on every side until crispy. But the coleslaw was life. Like this shaved fennel, cucumber,
0: dill, feta. Chives, I, I don't know. She had the recipe on there, right? I I went immediately to Molly's Instagram and followed her and sent her a note. She must just think that I am crazy, but that slaw was everything. And I think Lauren was so hungry. I dropped hers off first, and she just got done with a workout, right? And it, we had different various stages of plating and eating. <laughs> yours was the fanciest. <laughs> and Laura's like, I was so hungry. I ate mine right out of the box. And I don't think that she knew. And I don't think most people knew. Uh, and I didn't, cause I was eating the slaw separately. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to, why don't I put it on top of my sandwich? Cause it looks a little dry. Right. And so I like, I squeezed cause it came with lemon slices and I squeezed the lemon on top of the, the meatloaf. And then I put the slaw on top and then I sprinkled it with a little salt and it was Oh, and I also had some homemade ketchup that I had asked from bell camp because I know they have homemade ketchup there. And that was, Oh my God. I can't even talk about that sandwich. I'm going to have to have that again. too.
1: I'm like, I'm, I'm hungry. You know, it's been a long day, so I'm, I'm hungry. And I'm like, there's, they're they're keeping that on the menu, right? (laughs) It's until the 30th, but you can
0: also order it to go. So if you're hungry for dinner tonight, Maxine, you can definitely get on there and order it and you you can order it right now.
1: Yeah, I actually get the bullet and I've got a, a chicken soup going in my Instapot, but I think you just heard it mm. beep. <laughs> Yum. But yes. The Belcompa um, sandwich, that, that, yeah. that Wally sandwich is delicious.
0: Yes. And then we had Rumatir. They're such fans of ours. She's so sweet. She's like, hey, I want to treat you guys to a, uh, regarding her meal and that beautiful dessert that she had, that mm-hmm. jelly dessert. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to eat
1: it. It was so beautiful. So, Um, thank you to Kwan. Thank you, Kwan. That was delicious. I had the spicy curry and fish cakes and like this potato croquette thing. Oh, it was so good. And then I also had some
0: wonton soup and some crab wontons. Um, and she's participating. I just love that. Yes. So that was Saturday and then Sunday rolls around and I have to tell you, like I have been obsessed with my Instagram and all I do is watch the regarding her and all day baby Insta stories, right? Cause the food and the chefs and the collaborations, and they're just adding stuff and adding stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, they decided at all day baby, which is uh, Lynn's restaurant over in Silver Lake that their pastry chef was going to do some extra coconut cream conchas And I said, I'm going. So I get in the car. And of course, I text the girls, Maxine and and Lauren. And I said, I'm going. And I picked up this concha and I dropped it off. And I I mean, uh, Maxine, what?
1: I'm really speechless. Like all this food, I am just completely speechless. That that honestly may be my favorite dessert. I mean, right now, I feel like it's my favorite dessert I've ever had, ever. Because it wasn't too sweet. If if you're Filipino, we have a thing called pandisal. Um, which is a type of bread and it's sweet, but it's not too sweet. So it was like that, but then with this really tasty, almost fondant covering, but it wasn't a fondant because it was delicious, which it normally is not. Um, Fondant is not normally delicious, but this was. And then the inside coconut cream was, it was like, it was so good.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't know what's going on with that pastry chef over there. We need to find
1: out. It's like my favorite bakery, I think right now. If that is is indicative of what she puts out, then that's my new favorite bakery. Right.
0: And you remember Lynn said that she was going to do like biscuits and sell them at Lady and Larder on um, Tuesday at 10 Mm a.m. Remember that? I think that was in the podcast um, that she mentioned. And I'm like, I am going. So I showed up on Tuesday morning. I cheated on you. I'm sorry. I went to Lady and the Larder, which is the cheese shop over in, it's like on Sawtelle off of Venice, So I don't know, LA, Culver City, I don't know exact city. And I got there and there was a line outside on the sidewalk and it just made me so happy. And people were talking about what they were doing and where they'd eaten and everything. And Maxine, I have to tell you that biscuit and that butter, I mean, I haven't had butter, real butter like that. In a really, really, really long time, there's this this place, and I can't remember the name. It was in New York. And oh my gosh. Anyway, it is absolutely worth getting in your car and driving over to Silver Lake to All Day Baby to experience not only the food in Lynn's Kitchen, but also that pastry chef. And Maxine, I have to tell you, because you know I've been driving all around picking up food, that oh. Silver Lake is closer than Santa Monica. <laughs>
1: okay okay that might be the quote that might be the quote of the episode
0: (laughs) yeah and I was standing in line yesterday waiting for biscuit over at lady in the ladder I'm getting all my restaurant names mixed up and uh, I was talking to this girl and she lived in Santa Monica she was in front of me in line and she had actually gone over to all day baby and she told me about their chicken sandwich on a biscuit and I'm like oh my gosh I have to go so that's that menu is there all of the time um, so, all day, baby, a WeHo adjacent Silver Lake. Go check it out. Go support them. Everything on the menu is insane. Just delicious. Absolutely delicious. And last night, I ventured into Santa Monica. I went down to Sokolo because they had a Taco Tuesday special uh, at Sokolo, and Kim Prince from Hotville Chicken teamed up with Socolo team, Susan Feniger, and Maxine, we know Susan Feniger. She's just fabulous. She's um, of the LGBTQ plus community. She's does a lot of work over at the center. She created that fabulous culinary arts program there. Um, and her partner there at Sokolo is Mary Sue Milken, who's one of the founders of the LA chapter regarding her. And let me tell you, those tacos and taquitos were insane. It's like somebody needs to make those all the time, they just can't be a special. But those were worth driving down
1: to Santa Monica um, to get those tacos. That sounds delicious. Um, and it sounds like you also you no. Know, this is this Saturday is our cheese tasting, right? Mm. Um, it's this, this Saturday is our cheese tasting. Yep. <laughs> and then I do have to say, last night I did have a uh, like a sweet attack because I think I was maybe craving the coconut conch so i ordered magnolia bakery last night and it was really good i had the um, the banana pudding i might have also ordered a red velvet cake which i have not dug into yet but it's just sitting in my fridge Mm.
0: all right well enough about food and then regarding her event uh, as a reminder to our listeners is going through the end of the month through january 30th so go on there uh just try as many as you can. There's so many great collaborations. Uh, I've yet to do the collaboration at Jar with Suzanne Tracht and AOC's got an, a great collaboration with some chefs there. So lots of great stuff coming up. And then man, we just got we have a huge food month coming up. I'm like two weekends. It's like Super Bowl, Maxine. No, wait, let me get it in the right order. It's Maxine's birthday, the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. Chinese New Year, and then Valentine's Day. Woo! Mm-hmm. I mean we haven't even gotten to the mac and cheese challenge and I'm that's all I'm going to say about that but it's coming. Um you know life is all about balance and with all of this eating, you know, it's good to be able to work it off and I'm so excited because our guest this week has a focus on health and fitness and I'm really excited for our upcoming guest in health and fitness. Yeah. This week in our health and wellness segment, we are so lucky we have our very special guest this week is Janet Fitzgerald. Janet Fitzgerald is one of the most successful and well-known spiritual fitness gurus in the industry. Her extensive study of spiritual psychology and self-help concepts combined with a background in dance, fitness, and nutrition makes Janet one of the leading fitness professionals on both coasts. Janet is no stranger to West Hollywood as she was smack dab in the middle of workout Mecca during the initial wave of the fitness boom, where she was training and sweating next to the likes of her fitness pals, Bob Harper and Gunnar Peterson, and gaining popularity as one of the hottest spin instructors with sold out classes at Todd Tramps. She founded Body and Soul Workout in 1997, the first Zen-inspired spinning yoga and private training studio located right here in West Hollywood above the Ramada. In 2010, Janet moved to New York to join SoulCycle as a senior master instructor, as well as a role specifically created for her as a senior training officer to drive the expansion from one studio located on the Upper West Side of Manhattan to eventually 99 studios operating in the US, Canada, and the UK. Her jam-packed spinning classes are based on a foundation of discipline, focus, intention, rhythm, and dance. Janet creates an exhilarating atmosphere atmosphere with her pioneering teaching style, her deep connection to music, and the ability to lead her students on an inspirational journey towards total self-empowerment. She describes her class with the following quote, When you create your intention, close your eyes, and align your pedal strokes with the rhythm of the music, it's like a dance. When you can learn to dance and breathe through the challenging moments in your life, all of life becomes a blessing." We are not trained to become better spinners. We are training for this exciting journey we call life. I believe in dreams coming true one pedal stroke at a time. Janet was featured in Vogue's exclusive article, The Next Establishment of Women to Watch, and has been highlighted in Self, People, W, Allure, Women's Sports and Fitness, Angelino, and LA Magazine. Welcome to We Know We Ho, Janet Fitzgerald. Thank you.
2: What an introduction.
0: It's so exciting to have you um, join us here today. You know, I don't think many people really know the deep fitness history here in West Hollywood, especially with the recent proliferation of studio fitness concepts from New York that have landed here, like Rumble and Dog Pound, Army and Soul Cycle. And I was reminded of that when you said in your class um, in Century City a few weeks ago, Um, here in LA is where it all began. Um, So Janet, let's start there. And if you could just share with our listeners out there, what was going on here in West Hollywood back in this fitness boom and how you got involved and launched your fitness career? Oh my gosh. What a story. Um, gosh, what was his name?
2: Uh, where Bob Harper taught over there. Was it Henry? I believe it was Henry and Karen. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember right now. I can't, you're you're taking me way back, but I I, I will tell you that. um, I remember I was living in Palm Springs at the time and I was teaching fitness out there and um, it was a rare treat that I would get to come in and take Bob Harper's step class. And he was so wild and his choreography was, Unbelievable, and um, I, because I had grown up in the dance world, had the ability to just take a class, download the choreography, and then I would run back to Palm Springs and teach it as if it were mine and I, I told Bob that story for years and it tickles him to think that th- think that he helped me out um, anyway studio fitness was Everything back then, it was not about gyms. It was about individual superstars at different studios um, creating a feeling, you know? And it was a feeling of community and unity and sweat and dance and empowerment. And people showed up less for a facility and more for a personality. Um, And so that's really where it all started. And once I moved to back to Los Angeles to uh, nurture my acting career. I was (laughs) really, really bored with fitness. I mean, I had done it right. I'd done high impact and low impact and um, step and dance. And I mean, everything, you name it, we taught it. And I was just like, I just can't do another grapevine. I don't know what to tell you, but I just can't do it. (laughs) And I, I, I quit smoking, I put on quite a bit of weight, and I took to the couch with depression. And a friend of mine said, I really want you to come to spin class with me. I think you're gonna like it. And I said, I can tell you I won't. I took a class, <laughs> I, I took a class and I hated it. And um, I really, I'm not gonna join you in that. And um, a couple weeks went by and my situation got worse. And she said, you know, you really have nothing to lose at this point. So why don't you join us just for one class? And so I went and I took the class and I was correct. It was horrible. And, (laughs) and, but I sat in there and I put my head down and I cried at one point because I realized that it had the capability of self-empowerment. It had, it held something that felt like dance it had something in there that I knew could be healing if it were taught the right way and if the music was right and all of that stuff. So it's kind of a, um, a long story, but I do remember going back to that teacher's class with a cassette tape in hand, asking her to play my music. Now, can you imagine <laughs> if someone ever showed up asking me to do that? What would happen? But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she did. She used it. And the class was marginally better, but she didn't do the right thing to the music. So I thought to myself, you know, I really think I I could take a a shot at this. Um, A much, much longer story, shorter, is that I was taking classes and I believed I was paying about $10 a ride at the time. But the person who I was with at the time said, you cannot afford to be taking these classes. Um, You owe me money, you owe me back rent. And, um, you just, you just can't afford to do that. So I called a mentor of mine. I got on the phone with him and I said, I was crying and I said, I don't know what to do. I found this thing that I know can change lives and I have to do it. I have to do it for my heart and my soul. I know it's going to help me and save my life in, in such an incredible way. And he said, go get an envelope. And he said, do you have any money? And I said, I don't know, I think I got $2 in my purse. And he goes, great. Put $1 in the envelope and right on the outside of the envelope, spinning. Janet Fitzgerald, I guarantee you, you will always have enough money to spin. I put the dollar in there. I got off the phone and cried, went to bed. And the next morning I woke up and I said, Well, I don't know why in the world I haven't thought about this, but let me just go to the owner. And I went to the owner and I said, hey, listen, I see that you've got two slots open at 7 a.m. I believe it was on a Tuesday and Thursday. I said, what about I teach those for you and we'll just trade. You don't even have to pay me. Just let me take as many classes as I want. And he basically said, "Okay, crazy lady. Um, and that's, that's when I started teaching
0: now, how did you get, so you were over the hill yeah. and, um, maybe some of our listeners know, maybe they don't, it kind of depends on, on, uh, a lot of things. Um, but there used to be a fabulous, huge gym on the corner of Melrose on La Cienega. And, uh, forgive me. I, I don't know my West Hollywood fitness history that well, but I know at the time it was called Todd Tramps. Correct. Um, and that was um if they had a spin room there and boy if you wanted to spin um in west hollywood that's where you you were and you were lined up and sure enough you landed yourself there at, at Todd Tramp. I did.
2: Todd Tramp and Debbie Rocker owned that place together. Or if I'm correct he probably owned the um fitness, you know, the the uh, what do you call personal training side of it and Debbie probably owned mm-hmm. the spinning part of it. But yes, that was such a incredible time in my life. Um, You know, I went home. This was back when we had answering machines and I got home. This was after just a few months of teaching at this little place in the Valley. And I got home and there was a message from a woman with a very deep voice. And she said, hi, this is Debbie Rocker. And (laughs) um, she was basically asking said that she had gotten my contact information from my best friend, Melody, and that she wanted me to come in for an audition. I called Melody and I was like, are you insane? Who is this woman? She sounds scary. And, you know, when you live in the 818, to go into West Hollywood at that time in the fitness industry was like going from like Mississippi to Hollywood. You know, it was just like, I went to audition and I didn't realize this, but in Debbie's mind, auditioning meant just taking her class. I didn't actually have to play music or say anything or do anything. But when I got over there, a uh, couple things, one was I was so insecure on my way over there. Cause I thought, Oh my God, I don't look like a fitness instructor. I'm not rail thin. And you know, so I, I was feeling um, insecure. I had black sweats on a wife beater and just to make sure that I looked extra big, I put a flannel around my ass, you know, just tied that right around. That was the the nineties, that's what we did, you know. I had a baseball cap on and I there I took out for West Hollywood. I get there and she says, class is eleven dollars. So I pulled out my checkbook and I remember writing that check for $11 to Todd Tramps, praying to God that it didn't bounce because I knew I didn't have $11 in my account, but that was what I had to do to audition. So I wrote the check and I went in the bike room. I'd never seen so many bikes in my life. It looked like a bike farm. And I got on a bike in the back row and I just thought to myself, Janet, just put your head down, do the class and let's get out of here. Now, having said all of that, Debbie, was a new kind of thin, a thin that I had never even witnessed before. It, it, it was though she had two pencils for legs. <laughs> if she turned <laughs> sideways, you'd miss her. I mean, it was like, so there goes my insecurities at even a higher rate now where I'm just like, there's no way I'm getting this job. This is unbelievable. My check's gonna bounce. I just, I don't know what's going on. I'm a mess. Anyway, she starts teaching class. I probably am crying by the third song. I cannot believe the words that are coming out of this woman's mouth. And I've never been so inspired in my entire life. Everything fades away. You don't see her. You don't see what shape she is, how much she weighs, or anything else happening in the room. Is all you hear is the tone of her voice and the magic that is coming out of her mouth. And I thought to myself, I probably am not going to get a job here, but I will find the money to make it from the valley as often as I can to listen to this woman's words and to be inspired and take my life to the next level. We crossed the finish line after having had the most magical experience I'd ever had in any fitness class. And I went to the back to talk to her. Unbeknownst to me, there was a long, long, long wait list of major fitness professionals that had been waiting to get on her schedule for years. I don't, I don't know <laughs> this piece of information. And thank God, because that would have just been one more reason not to show up. She looks at me and I, and I, of course I'm, I'm telling her how much I love her class, but I don't really think she's listening to too much of that, or maybe she's heard it a lot. I don't know. And, um, she said, how about Tuesday and Thursday night at seven thirty PM? Can you start this week? And my jaw dropped and, you know, I would have taught at two in the morning if that's what she was offering. So um, <laughs> I said, yes. And I got the job that day. That was the the beginning of everything, really. So Jim Barsina is giving up those time slots. There's, there's already about 25 people in them. And, you know, we were getting paid by the person at the time. We got no base rate. So um, I think I was getting three bucks ahead. She goes, or you can have 8.15 in the morning, but you should know that never in the history of the studio has anyone ever been able to build 8.15 in the morning. And I said, I'll take it. And, <laughs> and that was just because I believed in energy and I believed that my energy would be better at that time. And I knew the power of uh, the law of attraction. And so I said, I'll take it. And she goes, I don't understand. And I said, well, you will. And so I took it. And my first class, I did have, I believe I had two students, so I made $6, which did not cover my gas from Burbank. But it was the beginning of everything because um, I built that time slot and weekend time slots until they were, you know, completely sold out with wait lists, and you just couldn't get into those classes. People were bribing each other to get into them, paying each other off to get into them. Uh, <laughs> and... I had built something that um, that studio really had never seen before, except for um, Andrea Lewent and Debbie Rocker. And then I, I, I opened body and soul not,
0: not long after that. That was my next question for you. So here you are um, come over from Burbank, landing yourself in the middle of West Hollywood with all of the, um, the hot shot spinning instructors at the time that are teaching at Todd Tramps. You built this amazing career um, and you yourself became one of the hottest and most sought after spin instructors there at Todd Tramps. Then you decided to open Body and Soul. Let's talk about Body and Soul. Um, it, it was it's it was such a beautiful studio, Janet. You know what inspired you to create the space and and share with us a concept behind it? Well, I really can't take credit for that, but uh,
2: I can honestly I can I can take credit for the product of it, but. How it came to be was Richard Nannula, who at the time was the CFO of Disney and handpicked by Michael Eisner and his wife, Tracy Nanula took my class and they were diehard fans. And Tracy had even mentioned to me that I really helped save their lives because they had... Um, some issues with a childbirth and they had lost a child and it just really had some challenging times in their lives. And unbeknownst to me, my tapping it back really helped heal their hearts and help them get through a difficult challenge. Now, having said that, Richard uh, was leaving Disney because he had gotten an offer um, and he was going to, I believe it was Sherwood Hotels he was going to Uh, to be the CEO and he was going to have to move to Connecticut. So him and Tracy said to me, will you open up a studio with us in Connecticut? And I said, no, I'm here. I'm I'm here (laughs) doing this and I'm here um, nurturing my acting career. And I have no desire to move to Connecticut. A couple weeks later, they came to me and said, "Um, would you be willing to open a place here? And I said, how does that help you in Connecticut? And to be honest with you, um, and I don't think that Tracy, you know, would mind me saying this, hopefully, since it's going to be on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that it was really about Richard feeling responsible for having uprooted his family um, And also Tracy had never really had sort of like something that she could call her own that she was uh, passionate about and invested in. So I think it was, I think it was for Tracy and I think Richard loved my class as well. So there was a lot of elements about that, but regardless, we all got into it together and decided that we were going to make it happen. And Tevia Selly at the time was my girlfriend and they kind of looked at her at the time, because she didn't teach back then. We looked at her as like the, the the finance or the business person and me the talent person. And they felt like that combination with their assistance and money, of course, complete financial backing, we could create something really cool. Um, and then they brought in Dodd Mitchell, who at the time you have to remember in the late 90s, it was very, very popular for. Every restaurant and every hotel to look like a sushi bar uh,
0: <laughs> I remember <laughs> that was just the deal it
2: was the trend um, so nevertheless that's who we hired to design the whole thing and it also looked like a sushi bar it was a very beautiful high-end sushi bar but um, we had bamboo in the ceilings and water fountains in the hallway and stone down the you know hallway and up the walls and the showers and Buddhas and orchids and candles and it really was the first and I have to say that part I will take credit for because I had a vision that there'd be beautiful music piping through the whole place that gave you that very Zen feeling um, that there was very beautiful aesthetically pleasing things in the training in the private training room there was always cut up, you know, lemons and uh, cucumber water and towels and it was supposed to be a high end luxury type thing. Um, because Todd Tramps and this is not putting Todd Tramps down at all because I actually loved it was more of a grit down and dirty, you know, kind of a thing where you just go there and the best of the best worked out of there. And it was just about working out. And I was like, oh, let's create something cool that maybe the fitness industry hasn't seen yet. So we had a beautiful dance and yoga room, a gorgeous state of the art training room. And we had a, a spin room, which was like the most unbelievable backlit mirrors and um, Japanese grass in the windows. I mean, we really spared no detail um, with that studio and teak on the ceilings and raw teak. And it was it was really, really, um, it was really beautiful. In hindsight, I would never spend that much money on a build out again. It really got <laughs> us into trouble. Um, but I don't know, what do you know when you're 31 or whatever I was, you know, 31, 32.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're taking me back because I remember one reading about you and body and soul um, when I was living in San Francisco. And I remember the first time I stepped foot in body and soul and I was just absolutely blown away. It was beautiful. And, um, you know, over the years, that space has still remained a fitness, uh, a fitness space. About the Ramada, and I can tell you that through all the iterations I've gone through, just to kind of one see what was there in the space, um, and you know cause it was just so beautiful. And uh, you know, I think the the latest iteration um, I think was the hardest um, when everything was covered up, and finally um, all those beautiful elements were were covered up. But it was just a gorgeous Thank you. space. Thank Gorgeous, you. gorgeous. Yeah, days. it was, you know,
2: yes. what was great about it was, is it was really thought of as super, super successful. We had a lot of celebrities come through there who felt comfortable and they felt private. Mm-hmm. Um, we protected them. We went to great lengths to protect them. And um, people thought of, of body and soul as a real success. And the truth is, if you want to define real success on how many lives we changed, and that is correct but it was never a financial success. I myself got out of the business end at about five years in with, with some bad blood, mm-hmm. to be honest. And um, because they were very disappointed that I did that. Um, and then I literally taught there until the day it closed, which was about 10 years in. Yeah. Now the fun part of that story is, is that mm-hmm. I did go back to that tiny square at Todd Tramps. And I believe it was called something different by the time I got over there. Oh, yeah, it was called Train, right? Because Mylene was running it. And I'll tell you what, when I got in that stinky, horrible space, it It felt (laughs) like home and it, it filled me and every cell that I had again, and it sparked something inside me again. And my classes started built again. I have a special, special
0: relationship with that lot of land that I will never forget. Really cool that that came full circle. Um, I want to go back to the statement you just uh, made about, you know, it was about really not the finances, but about how many lives you saved. Um, you know, and many of your fitness contemporaries would agree, and I have heard them say, that you, Janet, were the OG spiritual fitness instructor. Um, and I heard you say in class a few weeks ago um, that you were in a yoga class and heard them say, set your intention, and you decided to try that in a spin class. You've been quoted numerous times in the press um, saying that students are so moved by her words that they actually weep. And you shared with us um, early on in our conversation that you were so moved as well. So Janice, tell us about you and your class and um, the magic that happens in that. Um, I don't know why it happens or how it happens.
2: I just know what I have to do to prepare so that hopefully it happens. I guess the, maybe the why is, is that I've had a lot of life and If it ever gets written one day, it'll be a jaw dropper. I always feel like, well, I guess I could cry just thinking about it now, but I feel honestly, I feel like a walking miracle um, that me and my brothers even survived what we survived. And the truth is, is that I went on after I even got out from under parental Uh, guidance, I went on to build something equally as painful for myself. (laughs) So I fell many times and I made a lot of mistakes and I think it made me a warrior. And because I have felt almost everything and healed from almost everything, I think people can hear truth in my voice. So it never sounds like a bunch of canned bullshit where I'm telling you to like follow your heart. Like it's, it's not about that. It's just a really honest conversation about who we are, where we're going and, and how to get to that place in our hearts that are going to make us feel good. I get up and I pray and I meditate and I ask for angels and guides to help me co-create a playlist that will be healing, uplifting, motivating, inspiring, rejuvenating for myself and everyone that come to participate. And I am not the kind of person, I just don't have that, it's just not within my um, makeup. I I don't wanna plan my class as far as like what's gonna be said. So the only thing I plan is how the music is gonna go and what we are gonna go do physically. So it's kind of like if you build it, it will come. So if I just get up and I pray and I do the playlist and I show up with good intentions and I talk to the people about what we're doing, generally, a spiritual channel will open and words will be said that everyone can benefit from. Most of the time, I don't remember what's being said. And some of the time I do. And it's not perfect. But I know that it helps heal a lot of people. Um, and so I continue to do it because I have never found anything so profoundly powerful in my life. I have walked on fire, I've sat in sweat lodges. I drank ayahuasca in Peru with you, Tracy Paso.
0: Oh, spoiler <laughs> I, for our I, I listeners.
2: Have done, <laughs> I have done it all. And I cannot find... Um, In any of those things, the feeling that we get on the bike with the music in a particular order to evoke um, these emotions, the emotions from everything from like, I can do this to uh, new ideas flooding to you, uh, new book ideas, new communication ideas, new healing ideas that come to people, feelings of, Awakening, feelings of I remember who I am now, feelings of I can forget some of my other stuff now. I mean, the the broad spectrum, spectrum of healing that can take place in class is immeasurable. And it's um I've never seen or felt anything like it. Now, what the pandemic showed me was is, I mean, I knew this. I, I knew this, I really did, but the pandemic shoved this in my face, and that is is teaching not teaching is not an option for me Mm -hmm, it is a mm -hmm. channel that gets opened and expressed and if it doesn't uh I think that because of what I've been through in life um it's not good for me so it's why I simply just picked up and moved from New York to California because I, I I was like oh if I'm going to be able to teach out outdoors all year round, I better get myself in a climate that I can do so. So it was either going to be Miami or Los Angeles. And since Los Angeles is is essentially home because I spent most of my life here, then that was the mm-hmm. easy, the easy choice to make.
0: Well, you jumped ahead a little bit um, on the order of questions. Um, I'm yeah. going to take you back a little bit um, because you, I, I think, people that take your class and line up and that are fortunate enough to get in. Absolutely agree. Hands down. I mean, you are the master of the spiritual journey on a bike. I can attest to that. I know so many people, um, and that it's so unique to what anyone teaches. And, um, you know, so many of us have sat in the classes that now, your phrases have become very commonplace and I've seen instructors sit outside your class and write down what you say verbatim and things like, I will never forget when I, when I was in class and I first heard you say, you know, put your dreams on your handlebars and sprint towards it as we're sprinting towards the finish line. And as the sweat drops onto the floor, let it release everything that doesn't serve you. Um, And the big one, you live your life. Like you ride your bike. Um, and, and you know, that, that is really what that, what your class and what, what it encompasses. So now let's talk about that and how it kind of weaves into this thing now that everybody knows called soul cycle. Um, you know, so we've heard from you, um, and people may be surprised that, uh, the tap back was <laughs> not invented at soul cycle. Um, and that we were riding to the rhythm a long time uh, ago yeah. in here in Los Angeles, so, I don't know, Janet, what can you share with us about SoulCycle? Because we know that you, um, you moved to New York 10 years ago to join SoulCycle, you know, not only as a senior master instructor, but to set up and build and lead the training program to, to train new instructors. Um, so, t- I don't know, what can you, what, what would you like to share about SoulCycle and the story? And, well, the fun fact um, is, since anything. we're talking
2: about a tap back, correct me if I'm wrong, well, you might not even know this fact, but... I actually think that it was Gunnar Peterson who invented the tap back. Um, I, I really do. I, I can't be sure of that, but I know it wasn't Debbie. I don't think Debbie was tapping it back. I think it was Gunnar. And, and I really kept my eye on everyone who was doing something good, you know, and I thought that tap back was a good idea. So, um, okay. So, soul, soul cycle. Julie Taylor. Okay. That was her name. She became Julie Rice, but at the time it was Julie Taylor and she would sit, mm-hmm. I believe it was in about the third or fourth row next to the Japanese grass. I really, I probably didn't know her name because you know, I'm the worst about that. I can remember someone's form, what they do for a living, what their woo sounds like, you know, a million other things, but I'm not so great with names. I'm not even embarrassed to tell you. I probably didn't know Julie's name, but that's the, that's the fact. And and Julie had taken my class for many, exactly. many, many, many years. And I think she even took it at Todd Tramp's before I opened Body and Soul. Anyway, she gets married, she was an agent, she gets married, she decides to move to New York. Her and Elizabeth Cutler mm-hmm. open up Soul Cycle in a tiny back space um, on the Upper West Side. And I I'm starting to hear, you know you know, buzz about them and, and the success they're creating. And so Julie and Elizabeth would come to Los Angeles and they would take my class and then we would go to earth cafe and they would make me an offer. And I would say no. Um, and they would be like, why? And I said, because I don't believe in your arm series, <laughs> which, which is hilarious <laughs> now when I think about it because, um, Julie said in years later, she's like, do you realize that your arm series is longer than anyone else's in the company? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. You know, but anyway, I said, <laughs> no, I'm not coming. I don't like your arm series. They would leave. They would go back the next year. They would come back and take me out of breakfast. And you know, this went on for a long time. Finally, Julie said, um, okay, why don't you come out to the Hamptons and teach or whatever. So I came out to the Hamptons one summer and taught and I was like, yeah, no, I don't like it. I said, but you know, we, you know, we can talk about it. And so she made me a, um, an offer, we went back and forth a couple times, and I was just like, No, 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 no. Back and forth, and forth. Finally, she goes, Okay, that's it. I'm gonna fly you and your girlfriend to New York, and I'm gonna put you up and we'll see if you like it. I said, sure. I don't know if I'm I'm exposing too much for you, Tracy, but you were the girlfriend. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Spoiler. I was I the girlfriend. And I said to you, and I think you remember this, <laughs> I don't intend on really taking this job, but let's go take a, a, a December Christmas vacation in New York. Oh, we had a wonderful <laughs> so, two weeks there, didn't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, <laughs> off of we that, And she said, she goes, at the end of that, I'm going to make you an offer. And if you take it, great. And if you don't, I'll leave you alone. I was like, great. Um, so let me just shorten up a few things. I will say this. I got there. I was miserable. I was in a walk up. Um, I was lugging my sweat laundry down to the nearest fluff and fold. I was teaching more classes than anyone in the industry taught in L.A. Because in L.A., you know, we had a lot of leisure time. Five classes a week was like full time, you know. So anyway, I, I, I said to Julie, I said, yeah. oh, my God, this is not for me, you know. Um, Congratulations, girls. I think you're doing a great job. This isn't for me. And I want to go home. And she said, oh, okay, well, I know that you train people, you work with instructors. If you're, if this is too much for you, let's back off half your schedule. And the other time I'll just pay um, you to work with instructors. And I was like, okay, great, fine. So she gave me a handful of instructors to teach. We started getting positive feedback on their classes within 48 hours, but like majorly. I realized by working with specifically one instructor, Claire Veronica Walsh, I realized that working with this young girl and teaching her how to put the playlist together was like giving someone the lottery numbers. She lit up like a light bulb. And so she handed me the, the computer and I go, what are these 21 songs? And she goes, oh, well, you know, some teacher told me to pick 10 of my favorite songs and then choose an alternate in case they don't work and this and that. And then I'm like, no, never doing that. No, that's not what's happening. Here's what's happening. I taught her how to do it. And I said, go use that tonight in your class. Come back and let me know how that feels. She comes back and she goes, you have got to be kidding me. She goes, they're practically screaming my name at the finish line. And I was like, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really taught her yeah. that technique. And she was very young, but she was uh, an old soul. At the, at the end of it, she goes, I want to come. She was, she was an actress. And she goes, can I come back to LA with you? And I said, sure, you know, um, why don't you come back? I'll get you a job teaching where I teach. And I said, I'm going to open a new studio because, um, you know, we've raised a half a million dollars. And we're going we're to open this new new studio called Recycle, where the bikes uh, generate energy. And it's going to be this whole eco-chic, um, high-end fitness And, you know, you can work for me when we open or if SoulCycle has made their way to Los Angeles by then, you can work for them. I said, but yeah, you can come with me. She goes, great. She goes in to talk to Julie Rice. Now, having said this, Julie Rice, everybody knows this about Julie Rice. She does not take no for an answer and not in a mean way. She just doesn't understand the word no. She will make sure she gets what she wants. I go into the office and um, I think. Claire had already gone in for her meeting. So, so Claire went in and said, hey, listen, I'm going to go back to L.A. with Janet. Um, and then, you know, when Soul Cycle opens there, you know, then we can talk about me working for you guys, whatever she goes. But I'm going to go back with Janet because I just really want to work with her. And she goes, she goes, the only way that I would stay in, in New York is if you get Janet to stay and I can work with her. I didn't know she had that meeting. So now I go in for my meeting. With Julie, and I say, So I'm heading back to LA. And I said, Really, the only way that you could ever get me to stay is by making half of my salary as your training department, you know, as your top trainer, and uh, I could work with people like Claire. So Julie said to both of us, Done and done. And Julie, you know, gave me a little bit of a, a, a salary. For this training program. But but the truth is, is, she's and she used to say this in training groups all the time. I brought Janet here because I couldn't find her voice in New York. The truth was is that Julie only hired me so that she could take my class. Period. End of story. That that was the only reason <laughs> she brought me to New York. So I began a training group, I mean a training program for them. And it wasn't long. After I had held auditions and then I started working with the kids and I would take them to my, you know, our house and we would feed them and I would do yoga with them. And I would spend endless hours with them sitting on the floor talking about music and life and spirituality and, and all of the good stuff and creativity and, you know, sparks of passion and metaphysics and all the things. And I finally went to Julie and I said, listen, I got a group ready. And I said, um, I said, but I'm going to need a community ride. And she's like, what is that? And I said, I, I need to be able to see these kids teach to real people off the street, but I don't want to charge those, those poor people because it, I, I don't know if they can actually do it or not. It could be crap. And I said, I said but it's going to look good for you because it's <laughs> going to be a give back, you know, so that you get to give back to the community because this is expensive and, and you get to, and then I get to see if these kids can actually do this or not. It's a win win. She said, okay, great community ride it is. So we started throwing community rides and, and that would be how the trainees would pass or not pass. Right. And we started getting them on the schedule and sure enough, started producing superstars, like incredible superstars, like people who had never taught fitness before in their entire lives, just turning rooms upside down. People were so excited. And it, the, it just began to blow up to the tune of, like, they called me in a year after that and doubled my salary. And I think Julie admitted that she didn't really think I, I could do it. She just wanted me there. Um, It turned into the craziest thing and blew up so fast uh, that she had to, like, help me build a team. And then I began to teach other coaches how to coach like I did. And we built out a giant department. At one point, Julie said, Kylie, follow Janet around and write down everything she says, you know, Uh, right. You know, you guys make a manual, make a manual, (laughs) you know, because I would be like, I don't know how to put this in a manual, what I do. And she goes, Kylie, write it down, write it down. So we finally came up with a training manual and we passed it out to one group. And I don't remember what group it was. I don't remember, but it was something like group five or group four, something early, right? early group and then julie the early early group yeah calls me into the office and she said did you pass out those you know training you know Mark and i said i said the materials and i said yeah and she goes gather them all back and i go what and she goes gather it all back she goes i don't want any i don't want any information <laughs> out there about how we do this i don't know she was so paranoid about us giving away the keys to the kingdom and i said julie trust me i said you could give this manual out across the world and people will still not be able to to actually do it. There will be very few and far between that can actually access this, the pure magic of what we're doing here. I said, but if you want me to take those manuals back, I will. And we did. And not another manual or worksheet was ever hounded out after that. So we've trained over 400 instructors. Mm-hmm. For the company and um wow I don't know how many groups 35 or 36 maybe and the truth is is that I've probably trained half of cycle bar and flywheel too because that's where they go if they don't make it at soul cycle uh,
0: I know there's a couple of a uh, former yeah um, instructors there yep. at, Peloton. A few well, at Peloton but anyway that's another interview yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're welcome everybody <laughs> Oh, that is so incredible. What a journey. Well, here we are talking about journeys, um, Janet. Here we are in the midst of yeah. a global pandemic. Um, I mean, what the heck? And the fitness industry has been one yeah. of the hardest hit businesses. Um, just, you know, a, a lot of the conversations that we've had and the reason I started the podcast was to help our, our local businesses and, um, you know, obviously uh our listeners know that you and I um are more than friends have been more than friends but um you know my intention on having the podcast is really to support the businesses our fitness businesses Um, And SoulCycle is a business here in West Hollywood. And unfortunately, they don't have an outdoor space. But, um, you know, we talk to our local business owners and just, you know, talk to us about the impact of the pandemic and, you know, how the pivot is going for you there at SoulCycle and, you know, whatever you can share with us. um, You know, I'm sure our listeners would love love to hear because we don't have a lot of outdoor fitness options uh, available to us uh, here in West Hollywood.
2: I mean... It really broke my heart. You know, the two times that the fitness industry broke my heart in two was the one that the day that Julie Rice decided to leave the building um, and her and Elizabeth left the company nearly took me under. And then when soul cycle shut down and then we were not able to do what we've always done was truly, truly heartbreaking. And I don't really relate to I didn't relate to then going online and maybe, you know, teaching a side to side with a with a grapevine in my living room to try to capture, you know, my writers and help them. It just was like I was in survival mode and I know a lot of instructors felt that way and they felt a lot of deep pressure to go online and do something else or be something else for their for their people. And I just couldn't do it. I, it really, I had to take care of myself. It hit us all in a huge way. As soon as I could teach was, was out in the Hamptons. I was given an opportunity to teach and I took it. I didn't have a place to stay. I piecemealed it together. Writers let me stay in their guest houses and things like this one weekend. Um, I even just was driving back every day. I would drive from the city to the Hamptons to teach and just drive back home um, because, and unfor- you know, I said, oh, don't let SoulCycle know this. But the truth was, is that I would have taught at midnight for free if that was the option. Um, so I began teaching at, I believe, <laughs> 70% of my rate. Um, but again, I would have done anything because I had realized that at that point, it was as much about my own survival as it was about Lifting other people's lives and saving and inspiring others. So, um, how is SoulCycle doing? Well, you could probably get about a thousand different answers depending on who you asked in the company. If you ask a, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you
2: know, an instructor that just graduated in March and was furloughed immediately before they even got to teach one class. I'm sure they are stunned and heartbroken, and think about how hard they had to work to get through my program is no easy feat. Um, so there's that. Yeah. If you talk to some of the senior instructors who are still furloughed and still cannot do what they've always done for a living, they're heartbroken and they're financially strapped and in, in a in a in a uh, not as such a good you know life path right now for them. Um, We have a new CEO that I'm very excited about. Her name is Evelyn Webster. And I've spoken with her many times and I like her and she's direct and she loves the company. And I feel like we're going to be able to survive with her um, heading us in the right direction. Now, having said all of that, my belief is, is that obviously we have got to put a tremendous amount of effort into the live classes and into the at home experience, because you just don't know what's going to happen in this world of ours. Um, And I never say never, because usually I get a pretty good surprise and a yank from my own soul if I say that. So I I'm never going to say that I'm not going to do live and I'm not going to say that I'm not going to do the at-home experience. I'm just going to say it's not, it's not the time for me to do that. Um, being here in Los Angeles, it feels a little strange. Everything's a little bit ghostly. There's more homeless. It doesn't feel like the Los Angeles that I knew before. But I can tell you this, every time I show up to Mm -hmm. teach and it doesn't matter if 10 people are there or the outside activation is completely sold out, I can tell you that I really feel in my heart, I'm doing some good work to help people heal from the scar tissue that was 2020. And so as long as that is the case, then I will be here standing, helping And sweating alongside everyone else to help lift the spirits of this community so that we can remember that when the pandemic presses pause, that doesn't mean that we have to press pause on our hopes and dreams and our daily routines to help create what our heart wants to experience in this lifetime. And so maybe now, yes, we still sprint for dreams and goals, but we also sprint for people who might need a lot of healing prayers at this time. We sprint and remember and honor those of us who have experienced loss in 2020. And we sprint for healing to take place. And I believe that I'm here at this time for a reason to help rebuild hope and inspiration and love And connectivity and community so that we don't feel so like, you know, the fitness industry can be very competitive and it can be like, I need to feel my class. I need to do this for me. And um, I would love to switch that up a little bit. I would love to get community back and take each other's classes and lift each other up and, and support everyone in the community to rise and shine um, and help um, inspire this city. So that's what I'll be doing here now, as far as the company goes and the, the growth of the company, all of that, that's going to be up to Evelyn and I will do whatever I absolutely can to my first priority, to be honest with you, even though I know because um, I talked to Marvin, Marvin Foster Jr. about this and that is is that we do have to recruit, audition and <laughs> bring in new talent soon. But before that ever happens, I want to make sure there is no stone unturned as far as bringing back every person that was furloughed, every person that has been sitting cold for a very long time, and give them the tools and the inspiration and the training and the uh of their class and really give them 100% of my support to get everyone back on track. Now, once that's happened, once everyone in the company who wants to work for the company is working for the company, then we can go on and and, and build new talent. But I just want to make sure that we've helped everyone heal on every level that they can before we do that.
0: Other than Soul Cycle Janet, now that you're back in Los Angeles, is there anything else you're working on? Um, well, um, we have a
2: podcast, Witch and Famous, but... I'm also now working on a spiritual transformation show um, that we would like to pitch to network here in Los Angeles. Not sure, actually, if it's going to be continued to be called Witch and Famous, but spiritual transformation show is probably my best description of that.
0: Oh, that, you know what? I'm so glad that you brought that up because now that you mentioned that, I realize I did not add that in your bio, Witch and Famous. So we'll go ahead and put a link to that. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Janet, we're coming to the end of our conversation here and you're certainly no stranger to West Hollywood. Do you have any favorite places to eat shop or play in West Hollywood? Oh my
2: goodness. Wow. I mean, right now with everything kind of like shut down, I will say that my fun go-to has been the Remedy Place. It's on Sunset Boulevard. I Love it because it is so soothing and calm and they have all of these other different kinds of, um, healing modalities like cryo and infrared sauna and people that can work on your body. And, uh, it's, it's basically like a healing center slash spa. It's saving
0: my life right now. So I love mm, it. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, I know it well, I've toured it, but admittedly I've not had any sessions in there as of yet. Um, and I have to tell you, the first time I walked in there, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like body and soul, but just kind of a different version, you know, of the services and businesses.
2: Yeah, it felt it really felt like that. I, I, I know what you're talking about.
0: That brings us to the end of our interview today. Thank you so much for joining us as our guest this week, Janet. Um, we'll be sure to put the links to your classes and to the podcast in our show notes for our listeners. But thank you for your time. And thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed every second. All right. Well, we'll see you in class on the bike. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. That brings us to our last segment, our neighborhood segment. As you can tell with the conversation with Janet, boy, it takes a lot for a fitness business, you know, and we're not sure what's going to happen with SoulCycle. Because Cycle and Equinox and Rumble and YogaWorks, you know, they're still remain closed, even though there's this new opening order happening as a Friday, but it's for outdoor fitness. And, you know, Maxine, when I look at it, there's so many fitness closures that have happened. Um, You know, Train, which was Todd Tramps, is no longer open. That hasn't been open for a really long time. But just in the last, you know, six to eight months, we've had a closure of fitness businesses in West Hollywood, including Cycle House, Base Camp. Unplugged Meditation, Rise Nation, and uh, yesterday on my run, I noticed that Tafik's place was up for rent. There's a rent sign on there. So, you know, we've got um, some new things that have opened up. F45 opened up pre-COVID, but during COVID, we had Sweat Yoga and Artha open up. So, you know, it's just Boy, these fitness businesses, we're just, you know, still um, hanging in there with the fitness businesses and also with our live entertainment as things start to open up. So, you know, where you can, please, please help out our local fitness businesses, you know, and as we heard from our conversation with Carrie um, two weeks ago, you know, she is, has this fabulous outdoor activation, but it's essentially like opening up a second studio and she's paying rent on a parking lot as she's paying rent in her, her physical space. So, you know, just uh, one of those inside, uh, insider looks at what's going on with our businesses. I've got also a neighborhood. I've got a Melrose place update. Um, you know, that's WeHo adjacent, but we all consider that West Hollywood, I think, and boy, there certainly are a lot of 4 lease signs up there. Um, I noticed that uh, actually Lauren sent this in that catch the owners of um, catch hospitality, they are opening up. They're going to take over the fig and Olive space and open up a catch steak. Ca- so that's catch,
1: coming catch like on Melrose, the rooftop. Yep, catch?
0: Okay. Yep. Yep. I guess there's a catch steak uh, somewhere, maybe in New York or something. Mm. So they're going to open up there. So we'll have a, another local steakhouse
1: and on sort of an opening note um, from someone that we talked with early on, it looks like the Late Night Drive In has a movie scheduled um, on February 12th, which is also Chinese New Year. And it's The Shape of Water, which <gasps> I know. What a, um, I love that movie. I love that movie. Oh, I do too. Oh, so it's such a sweet movie. And it'll be at, uh, it's scheduled to be at Late Night Drive In, which is at the Ondas. Um, in their parking lot again here we go again transforming a parking lot right um mm-hmm. the creativity that goes into this so if you're looking for something to do that weekend check that out
0: yeah I think that's gonna kind of can even though outdoor dining is opening up I think that parking lot activations and drive-ins are really going to be you know where we are for the remainder of 2021 it- it's feeling like so wow um, get your tickets. I have not been to the andas yet. I love that movie. So um may have to get over there and check out that schedule and, and head on over there and bundle up um in some blankets.
1: Maybe with a cheese board from Lady in the Larder. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's right. I can't wait for that. That would be good. Oh boy. All right. Well, that
0: brings us to the end of our show this week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure that you are following us on Instagram, following our star- stories daily that uh, Miss Lauren is cultivating. We're also on newly on Twitter at WeHo. We've got a lot of great things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, be sure to rate us and leave a comment. If you follow us in podcasts, it really does help. And from West Hollywood, that's a wrap. Bye, everybody. Thank you.